official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at wellchurchvt.com. Michelle and I introduced our daughter, Sophie, to the Christmas classic, It's a Wonderful Life, with Jimmy Stewart. Anybody seen that movie before? Now, we couldn't watch the black and white one because she refused to watch anything in black and white. It's old, in her words. So we had to get the Technicolor version. And I'm curious, how many of you here watched at least one Christmas movie this year? Most of you watched a Christmas movie. What's your favorite Christmas movie? White Christmas? Die Hard. Die Hard. I guess, that, that is a, I guess that's a contentious uh, Christmas movie. Yep. Any, any other Christmas movies? Home Alone. I watched that one this year as well with my son, Josh. Elf, a classic. Love Actually. Romance Christmas movie. Miracle on 34th Street, another classic. Charlie Brown Christmas, Frosty, any other ones? <laughs> Little Drummer Boy, The Grinch, yeah, classic, right? So all those are classic, those are, those are like famous classic Christmas movies, but then there are the strange Christmas movies, like Edward Scissorhands, right? Or A Night Before Christmas, you know, the Tim Burton Movies that are just really kind of strange. You kind of watch them and you say, this doesn't feel like a Christmas movie when I'm watching it. Well, last week I was also reading Christmas narrative from the Gospels. And when I read Matthew and when I read Luke's Christmas narrative, it it felt like I was watching a holiday classic. Like there's so much visual. There's so many details in their Christmas narrative. Matthew provides us with the genealogy of 42 names. Like, it's super detailed. Luke, in his Christmas narrative, he gives all of this history and this background. And so in those two Gospels, we're provided with multiple chapters of Christmas narrative. But John's Gospel is more like a Tim Burton movie. John's Christmas section, I'll call it, is very unique and different Um, His Christmas section starts like this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And you read that, and you're like, I'm not even sure this is a Christmas story. (laughs) This is more uh, Tim Burton uh, than Charles Dickens. It just feels different. And then he goes on in, in the middle of the chapter to say this, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And if John were around, I would read that and I would ask John, but how did it happen, John? How did God become flesh? How did Jesus come to earth? And he he would probably look at me because he's John, and he would say, I already told you, (laughs) right? Because John is just different than Matthew and Luke. He, He has a certain way of saying things. And although John's gospel doesn't provide us with a lot of details on how Jesus came into the world, his telling of Jesus' coming is is really powerful. And I want to focus our attention on two verses in the middle of his Christmas section. John chapter 1 and verse 9 
says this. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. See, here's an interesting thought that John brings up in his Christmas section. For centuries, people had been looking for and expecting and anticipating a Messiah to come. And as John says here, a light that would give light to everyone. They were, they were looking for it, expecting it. But when the light came, when Jesus came, many people missed it. They didn't recognize his coming because they did not expect it to look the way it did. However, when we read Matthew and Luke's gospel accounts in their Christmas sections, what we find out is that there were some folks who did see it coming, who were not only anticipating Jesus coming, but were looking for it, were ready for it. They saw it. They jumped into it. And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to look at three groups of people who didn't miss Jesus coming. John in his gospel tells us the world just missed it. But Matthew and Luke tell us, no, there's actually some people who didn't miss it. They saw it. They anticipated it. They stepped into it. And all three of these groups that we're going to look at, all of them had different ideas on what Jesus' coming meant. But all three of these people were right. All three of these groups were right. And so let's, let's take a look at a, the three. The first one is the Magi. And in Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 1, we read this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, During the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who's been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now, understand that the Magi were not three wise men as is often depicted in our manger scenes and our nativity scenes. The Magi were much stranger than that. They were more Tim Burton than a Christmas classic. These guys were a big deal in the ancient world. They, they were kingmakers. They were essentially a group of political figures who specialized in astrology and mysticism. Isn't that strange? And everyone knew who these guys were. When they showed up, it was a big deal. When they showed up uh, uh, in your country, in your land, on your doorstep, um, it was a big deal because they, they were all about shaking things up. They were kingmakers. They, they traveled not by themselves, just three of them. It would, would have been a huge entourage. And by looking at a star that appeared, they knew that a king had been born. Again, this is just such a strange element of, of the Christmas story. And so the Magi enter the Christmas story anticipating a king. That was the lens that they were looking for. For Jesus to come. They were anticipating a king, but not just any king, not just any ordinary king, but a king who they were ready and they were coming to worship. And somehow they knew that this king, King Jesus, was different from every other king, that he would be a righteous ruler whose kingdom would have no end, that he would be a king who would bring peace and justice and set the world to right again, and they were right. Jesus was all that and more. But the first group that didn't miss Jesus coming were anticipating a king. Now, the second group 
that also saw Jesus coming was Herod and all of Jerusalem. The next verse in Matthew's gospel, chapter 2, verse 3, says, when King Herod heard this, heard what? He heard the Magi were coming. Big deal, right? When King Herod heard this, these kingmakers coming to his doorstep, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed in all of Jerusalem with him. Why? Why was he disturbed? Well, because a new king would threaten his way of life. A new king would threaten all of Jerusalem's way of life. Not only would a new king be a threat to Herod's rule in Galilee, but a new king could lead to political upheaval in Jerusalem, perhaps even war. And so what Herod does is he decides to call the priests and the teachers of the law to have a meeting with them. He's on this information gathering phase, and he says to them, where do your prophets say the Messiah is going to be born? And the priests and the, the teachers of the law tell him, well, Isaiah prophesied that he would be born in Bethlehem. So Herod's probably taking notes. Okay, got that, Bethlehem. And then after that, Herod sets a meeting up with the Magi. And he asks the Magi this question. Hey, when did the star first appear? The one that told you that a, a king of the Jews would be born here? When did the star appear? And so the Magi tell him, and he, he's taking notes, right? And then he, he, in a really tricksy, false way, he says to the Magi, hey, when you find him, could you let me know? Because I would really like to come and worship him too. Although his intentions were quite far from worship, he wanted to get rid of this king. And what happens, of course, is after the Magi visit Jesus, they're warned by God through a dream not to go back to Herod and tell him, but to kind of just leave quietly. And when Herod realizes that the Magi had duped him, that they'd outwitted him, he's furious. Soon after, Herod orders to kill all the baby boys in Bethlehem and the surrounding vicinity that were under the, the age of two. Why two? Well, because that's when he found out that the star first appeared. So, all the male babies, two years and under, in Bethlehem and all the vicinity, he ordered their execution. Not exactly the Christmas story we like to tell, but it's what happened. Why would Herod do such a thing? Well, because Herod anticipated Jesus as Lord and a threat to his own lordship. Herod didn't want any other lords in Galilee. He wanted to be Lord of Galilee. So he tries to execute Jesus and get rid of him. Of course, God miraculously intervenes and warns Joseph in a dream to flee to Egypt, and, and uh, Jesus escapes that execution plot. But Herod was also right, because God did make Jesus Lord of all. Now, Jesus wasn't the Lord that Herod expected him to be, because Jesus' lordship was quite different from any lord and any ruler who's ever walked the earth. Instead of ruling over them, Jesus willingly went to the cross and sacrificed himself for us. And so, although he wasn't the kind of Lord Herod was expecting, he was Lord nonetheless. So, the Magi anticipated Jesus coming as a king. Herod anticipated Jesus coming as Lord and a threat to his throne, a threat to his own lordship. What about the third group? 
How did they anticipate Jesus coming? Well, the third group is the shepherds. We read their story in the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. Soon after the angel proclaims this message, a whole host of angels appear in front of these shepherds, and they start to praise God. And they, they're, they're, they're praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, on earth peace and goodwill to men. We sang that this morning. And so this, the shepherds are, are in the field at night. An angel comes, delivers this message. Then a whole host of angels appear. You have the very first Christmas concert. And the shepherds are, it's just them. They're the only audience. And the angels are praising God and, and, and saying glory to God in the highest. And the shepherds had a decision to make at that point. Do we go try to look for Jesus? Or do we collect time and a half holiday pay because it's Christmas? Now, I, I just understand that shepherding at this time was one of the lowliest occupations you could have. And so the, the announcement that a Savior is born was good news to these shepherds. It was such good news that they risked losing their jobs because these were hired hands. They were watching someone else's sheep. And so if they left to go find Jesus, they're essentially walking off the job site, which you don't do if you're in retail at Christmas time, right? But the shepherds, they say, no, this is good news. A Savior's been born. We, we've got to, to see him. We've got to see this thing that we've heard. See, if anyone knew that the world needed to be saved and rescued, it was these shepherds. Because every day when they showed up to work, they were reminded of the brokenness of the world. They lived in poverty, abject poverty, trying just to barely scrap up enough money together to survive. And they knew every day when they showed up to work, it was a reminder to them that they're on the bottom tier, the bottom rung of the economic ladder. Rome is this oppressive nation that is, is taking all of their money through taxation, and they're, they're lording over them and oppressing them. And so, this was good news to them. Now imagine what they experienced when they show up and find Jesus laying in a feeding trough. This had to be so meaningful to this group of people. Yeah, think about it. These shepherds, who they have an impoverished existence. They show up and they find their Savior living and introduced into the world into an impoverished existence. And they say, look, he's poor just like us. Our Savior has no place to lay his head, just like us. Society doesn't care about him. They don't notice him, just like us. I'm curious if they said, hey, Isaiah the prophet prophesied one day that he'll be a shepherd, just like us. See, I, I bet the shepherds, when they showed up to that manger and they saw Jesus in the feeding trough, they said, look, he's Emmanuel, God 
with us. He's one of us. He's not just with us here on earth. He's with us. He's one of us. And so the shepherds, anticipating Jesus to come as Savior, and they were right. They, the gospel account tells us that they became heralds, and they spread the news that a Savior had finally come, a Savior had been born. Now, here's the thing. All three of these groups of people were right about Jesus coming. The Magi anticipated Jesus coming as king. And they were right. Herod and all of Jerusalem anticipated Jesus coming as Lord. And a threat to his lordship. They were right. The shepherds anticipated Jesus coming as Savior. And they were right. All three of them were right. And I want to end my sermon this morning with this simple, but I believe powerful proclamation. Jesus is king, Jesus is Lord, and Jesus is Savior. I miss my Pentecostal friends this morning. They're not here. Jesus is king, so I have to say it again. (laughs) Jesus is king, Jesus is Lord, and Jesus is Savior. And he's not one of those things. He's all three of those things. I love the gospel narratives. They show us that he's not just our Savior. He's also our Lord and our King. He's not just our King. He's also our Lord and our Savior. And he's not just our Lord. He's also our Savior and our King. And so I'm going to go back to John's gospel, verse 9. Because in John 1, verse 9, he says this, that the world did not, recognize him. And so here's my question that I'll leave with you this morning. Do you recognize Jesus as King, Lord, and Savior? Because that's who he is. Do you trust Jesus to be your Savior? Do you realize that you even need saving? Do you realize that this world needs saving? Do you trust Jesus to be Lord of your life? Or are you trying to rid yourself of his lordship like Herod did? See, I'm convinced that the reason we are hesitant to make Jesus Lord of our lives is because we don't trust that he's good. If we trusted that he was good, we'd have no problem making him Lord of our lives. But it's hard to make someone your Lord (laughs) when you don't trust their good. But here's the thing. Jesus has already proved his goodness. He's not like Herod and the other rulers of the world. He's the kind of Lord who, who sacrifices. He goes to the cross willingly so that you and I could be rescued, reconciled, redeemed. He's different than those lords. When Jesus is our king, we pray for his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. When Jesus is our king, we believe that one day his peace and his justice will heal our broken, sin-torn world. When Jesus is our king, we anticipate him coming back and finishing what he started. See, I think that when we get to the place where we make Jesus our king, that when we sing songs like the Christmas carols we sang, like Joy to the World, 
It has legs. Think, think of the lyrics in that song for a second. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Right? What about the next verse? There's another verse we sang this morning. He rules the world with truth and grace. How many of you know the world could use some truth and grace? Turn on the TV, watch the news. The world could use some truth and grace. The next line of that song, and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness. See, when Jesus becomes your Lord, your King, your Savior, you sing song like Joy of the World. It's not just a Christmas carol. It's not just a pretty song you sing. There's legs on it. You're like, yes, that's, that's, that's what this is. That's what Advent is. That's why we're anticipating his coming. When Jesus is our Savior, we're redeemed, we're reconciled to God, we're rescued from the clutches of sin and death. We can rejoice, we can sing the same song the angels sang to the shepherds. Right? Glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. So I'll ask that question one more time and then we'll, we'll pray and close. In the words of John, chapter 1, verse 9, do you recognize Jesus to be King, Lord, and Savior? And maybe you're here this morning and you say, you know what? I've never made the step of faith to confess Jesus as Lord, King, and Savior. And if you're ready to do that this morning, I would love to pray with you. Now, we're not going to have you raise your hand or stand up or come to the front. We, we, we do things different at Church of the Well. Just come and have a conversation with me after. And I would love to pray with you and talk to you more about what it looks like to make Jesus your Savior, your Lord, your King. But don't miss that opportunity. If you haven't made that decision, let today be the day. Let's pray. Lord, I just confess that this is the time of year when there's so much hustle and bustle. There's so much activity and, and uh, things that we feel obligated to do. Some of those things we really enjoy. Others, they're not enjoyable at all. And still, God, we recognize that there's folks here who the holidays and Christmas time is just such a difficult time in their lives because they've lost a loved one or they've gone through a hardship or they're, 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 they're feeling alone while everybody else is gathered with friends and family. But God, the hope of the gospel is this, that, that, that Christmas does not have to be dark and gloomy. It doesn't have to be a Tim Burton <laughs> movie. When we make Jesus our King, our Lord, and our Savior. So Lord, I pray for, for us all and for our friends who are traveling in a way this week. God, would you reveal to us your kingdom, your lordship, and your saving grace. And there's no other gift that we could get this holiday season, this Christmas season, that could even come close to matching that. Lord, I can't create that. No one can. It's something that only you can reveal. So we ask your Holy Spirit to do that in all of our lives. Reveal your goodness. God, reveal who you are. And so we can receive all that Jesus brings.
and offers. Lord, I pray for us as we go about our next few days and our gathering with coworkers and friends and neighbors and family members. Lord, that you would reveal yourself. Lord, for those of us here who maybe we don't have any uh, buddy to spend the holidays and spend Christmas with, God, I pray you would, you would be the one who's closer than a brother, that you would reveal yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community reintroducing Jesus in Vermont through worship, service, creativity, and community.